to a new episode of the Rebel Radio Podcast, and um, we are rejoined after a year hiatus, at least for this week, the great Zen master, the Buddha voodoo monk himself, Long. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back, homie. I'm back for this special episode. I'm not sure what's special about it, but you know, we're here at least. It's special, man. There's a lot of special things about this episode. For a mediocre I mean, movie. A, ran- oh. a random episode in mid-September is um, special. Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah, it's always special when we get to hang out and talk Trans- some film man. and some TV shows and what's going on. What's been going on with you, Long? Oh, lots of things. Just trying to enjoy the rest of my vacation. Now I'm in my second half of it now and, well last third of it now and no. trying not to think about the inevitable and <laughs> uh <laughs> but know. other than that i mean i i still look forward to working again because it's not a lottery as, tomorrow night and maybe you get lucky and the inevitable doesn't happen exactly yeah yeah i can just <laughs> uh, i have a rope ready in case i want to tie a noose around some <laughs> oh, God. somewhere <laughs> but I'll do it at work, though. Just children listening, don't pay attention longer. Yes, <laughs> sometimes he has his grumpy old man. The, the, the dark humor, the dark humor over there. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, um, yeah, life is good. Came back from North Carolina, took some photos at the USS North Carolina Museum, which is a fantastic museum. I have to say, it's probably the largest battleship I've visited so far. <laughs> As far as ship yeah. museum, oh, that's cool. I saw some of those pictures; they look pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. USS Texas was uh, was what uh, five hundred and seventy feet long. Uh, the and the Alabama is like seven hundred and twenty-one feet long. So it's about wow, a good, a good it's like a dozen yards longer. Yeah, man, <laughs> almost fifty percent more. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, yeah, I've just been most chilling of, like a villain. Most importantly, did you miss us? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Whatever you say. You know what? Fuck you too. Got <laughs> <laughs> to hang, um, hang out with you guys uh, for bowling. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and we're going to, um, we're going to try to get together with the weather is good in October or something and uh, a little cookout or something. You know, How about that idea. drought, huh? <laughs> Finally. Yeah. This week. <laughs> well, yeah, I got a little bit. No, but yeah. Got, got a cup of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. About a cup's worth of that, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but you know, what do you do? Yeah, uh, the uh, we're in the mid nineties now instead of the low hundreds, which is nice. <laughs> I know it actually yeah, feels cool outside. Today wasn't too bad, <laughs> comparatively speaking. Yeah. yeah, you go from your balls completely sweating to just sweating a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. <laughs> yeah, basically. But uh, yeah, man. No, we're we're glad you decided to join us and. You might have been on last week's episode, but you had a power outage. You know, mm-hmm. 
um, or or so you claim. I mean, it's okay, man. If you I'm need sticking to, watch to that, that story. That's right. <laughs> you know, I'm sticking to that story, you know, or I was probably surfing porn and forgot about that's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> no. There, there was an outage of something, maybe an image. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, I was given this knowledge this week um, that the economy, as everyone knows, not getting into politics, is in the shitter right now with the inflation and everything. And that it's so bad that even strip clubs are just not hiring and cutting back hours. So you wow. know the economy. You know it's bad. It's affecting the sex industry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, you're hot, but we're not hiring you because there's no hours for you, and there's no guys giving you tips. <laughs> we can't even sell beers, let alone tits. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yep, it's a luxury. You that's know? what we're here for. Full of useless yeah. information on the Rebel Radio podcast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You come here, you find out all kinds of shit. Your water cooler that's right. stuff. Yeah. That's all it. Right. And then when you go to work tomorrow after you hear this episode, you can tell your friends, like, hey, did you know the strip clubs aren't even hiring right now? Because it's yeah. Right. Yeah. Strippers Enough are struggling, this. man. Enough of this banal talk. Let's talk about the this week's episode of uh, Ahsoka. Well, we will get to that in just a moment. Why? Why? For Whoa. What? Because pa- patience, my Padawan. That's right. Don't call me because a Padawan. Don't call me a Padawan. <laughs> <laughs> <Because> <laughs> generally, <laughs> Padawan. We we talk about things we watched this week, and we do Ahsoka at the end of that segment. So that way we don't blow our wad, so to speak, at the beginning of it. That's why. You make people yeah. wait for the good stuff long. You, know? I mean, you don't give them the cum shot right away, okay? <laughs> <laughs> only people listening to this is Frank and your mom. <laughs> no, no, no. My mom has never listened to an episode of the podcast. Well, yeah, oh, man. my nephew, my nephew has listened to a few episodes, and if if he's listening to this one, just ignore everything your uncle Mark says. <laughs> yes, um, just fast forward the first ten minutes. <laughs> so we will get to Ahsoka in just a moment. But long, what are some things you've been have been on the show in a year? Um, what are some things you've watched recently or in the last few months that you really enjoyed? Um, Flash was good. Uh, the yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy was good. Um, looking forward to Mortal Kombat One coming out uh, in the next few days. Uh, been looking forward to that. Um, what else about? Um, but right now, as far as my best current movie. Uh, I definitely have to give it to everything everywhere all at once still. Uh, even though I saw it way earlier in the year, I still like the movie. Saw it for a second time in uh, the other few days. And man, it, you catch more details on the second viewing and then kind of hits a little harder <laughs> uh, the second time around, which is kind of interesting, even though. Um, what else? You put me on the spot, man. I'll think of something when we talk more later. Like you did not expect <laughs> this? Huh? You didn't expect this? <laughs> nah. You still haven't seen any of Jones, have you? No, I haven't. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's out on digital. I'll probably just rent it digitally and yeah. check it out. Yeah. Yeah, or wait on Disney Plus for it to come out. Right. Um. Oh! <laughs> uh. I did see, you know how uh, a few years ago uh, they released Shin Godzilla? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, then last year they released uh, Shin Ultraman. And uh, Hideaki Ono, he was the director of Shin Godzilla and his collaborator. They wanted to do a um, trilogy of all of the classic Japanese um, sci-fi shows and movies. And um, I saw Shin Kamen Rider on Amazon Prime. And it is pretty darn good. Uh, uh, it's basically about a, a Japanese superhero uh, who rides a motorcycle, but he has like superpowers and stuff. And it, it, it pretty good martial martial arts and stuff too. Uh, mm. And it not like Hong Kong level of martial arts, but uh, it's pretty over the top. Uh, and all the fight scenes, it gets pretty gory. Uh, but it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, but check it out. It's called New New Common Writer or Cayman Writer. Uh, okay. It's subtitled, but uh, it, it's it's directed by Ano himself. So uh, it's and it cuts to the chase pretty quickly. Uh, but I highly recommend it if you're not familiar with you know Japanese superhero shows like Power Rangers or this is like basically a franchise that kind of precedes it by a couple of years. It's one of the mm-hmm. early franchises. But uh yeah, give it a give it a try. Um it's subtitled. Uh, or it might be dubbed. I'm not sure. Um yeah. but yeah I highly recommend that. That's a very good Japanese science fiction show. Um what else have I seen? Uh, yeah. I'm sure it'll right. talk my memory once we start talking told- about stuff. You you know we you almost came on last week's episode and and I I told Matt I didn't do it on purpose I just happened to f- get, uh, watch a uh, Godzilla two thousand the the TriStar Toho co co produced you know reboot uh-huh. and um and I, and I it was I you know I won't go too much into it because I talked about it last week but uh it was pretty good like it's action packed you know um a lot of action and a lot of like really. For a Japanese, because it's mostly a Japanese production, even though TriStar helped finance it, um, it's a lot of like some of the better cinematography and so like just some really good shots. I thought in it for a Godzilla yeah. film, um, and uh, some weird. It's so weird because they're like they still use a man in the suit, but then they use CGI for the alien probe thing, so it like it clashes. So it's kind of like a bit odd yeah. to have the CGI mixed with the man on the suit, and, and I'm the like, missiles. yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, that looks really weird. It's like, yeah. you know, but for 19.99 or whatever. But uh, it was five bucks on Vudu, and, and Wyatt wanted to watch it, so we, we bought it and watched it. And, uh, y'all get y'all yeah. get to see the uh, the actual minute and a half trailer of the new Japanese Godzilla movie, right? Mm, uh, that I sent yeah. on the text group. That one looks yeah. pretty cool. Looks intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we we uh, yeah we talked about that last week too. But yeah, no, it definitely looks intense. Yeah, looks like they definitely upped the ante to uh, keep up with what's going on with the American films as far as uh, you know heavy action and and CGI and yeah and uh, intensity. That's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, but no, it looks very cool, and it's cool that it's going to have a uh, American theatrical release December first. And uh, um, I'm hoping they have. Sometimes when they do is releases like they do with the animes, they do have a uh, English versions because you know that way I can take Wyatt. He does, I mean, he reads very well for eight years old, but it'd be a lot easier for him not to have to read the whole movie, you know, if, if possible. So, mm-hmm. 
And uh, so we'll see when that comes out. Um, but I, um, I really didn't watch much this week and give you a hard time about waiting on Ahsoka, but, uh, that's about really all I've really watched. I've had kind of a busy week. You know, we started baseball and things like that. So Matt, did you watch anything besides Ahsoka this week? Yeah. Um, I tried to watch asteroid city. Oh, Um, I know we talked about this and, uh, man, it's just, uh, it's just weird. It's like there, there's a movie and then, there's like actors, the actors that are filming the movie are like filming their like behind the scenes stuff and, and like talking about their roles behind the scenes. And then it goes into the movie and then like Brian Cranston's this announcer guy. And he's like, what you're about to see is a scene playing out here. And this is the setting. And then uh, Edward Norton's character is like talking to Tom Hanks and he's like, yeah, so for this role, I think I'm going to play it like this. And and then it goes to the actual movie. Like you're watching what you would normally watch on film. And it's like, but it's like they're actors playing an actor playing in a movie. And it's, uh, you know, the film is supposed to be about how to cope with like death and loss um, because like Scarlett Johansson's character, she lost her, her husband and um, the other, the, the male lead that I can't remember his name. Um, he, he lost his wife. Uh, but it's like, you've got all, you know, it was a weird, you know, pretense and it's not a movie that I would normally watch just off of its uh, cover. You know, really it's, it's trailer and it's marketing. But I was like, I was looking at the cast and you've got Cranston, you've got Steve Carell, you've got Edward Norton. And I felt like, you know, there's a lot of people in this film. And I mean, shit, Woody Allen always has a bunch of people in his movies and his yeah, movies suck. That's true. <laughs> I felt like the the talent was stacked and, you know, gave it a shot. I just couldn't get into it. I, I maybe watched half of it and I was just like, that's enough for me. Um and then I saw that uh, Fast X was on uh, Paramount, uh, or not Paramount, Peacock. And I was like, hey, it's free. I'm going to watch, uh, you know, Aquaman be a bad guy. And he's like, like weird, man. He's got like his hair and like multiple ponytails and he's in a robe and he's like painting his nails. Yeah, that's a fast movie. All right. Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's very much a, a fast, fast movie. And now it's, uh, you know. It's a, it piggybacks off of Fast Five. So, you know, lately it's like the last three films, all the bad guys are like, oh, I was in the back. You know, that's the whole thing. Like, like, oh, yeah, you know, I wasn't here for all the other films, but I was in the background. Yeah, I was actually there the whole time. It makes no sense, but it's all about family, so it's okay. Exactly. And then John Cena's character dies in the film. I'll just say that. Um, and (laughs) yeah, I don't think anyone cares, but I was like, Oh, he must have some more peacemaker stuff to do, but you know, it was cool. I'll spoil it because it's been out, you know, so you, you know, Gal Gadot shows up at the end. Didn't she die on the runway in like fast six or fast seven? I never watched them. Yeah. Fast eight. Yeah. So she shows up all of a sudden and I'm like, man, maybe she's not doing Wonder Woman anymore. Cause now I know there's going to be a fast 11. Cause the way they ended it, there's going to be a fast 11. And I'm like, is she not doing Wonder Woman anymore? Cause now she's back in fast and the furious. So I wonder. I didn't tell you. 
I've never seen yeah. any of the Fast movies. Not even the first one? No. It wasn't that bored. Wow. I was wow. never bored enough to see it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, you're really not missing anything. <laughs> yeah. It was a product of its time. It was a product of its time, I'll say that. Uh, other than that, I did watch some more Babylon 5. Uh, I am more than halfway through uh, season two. And I sent y'all a screenshot of that, the last episode I watched. And there's this alien that they're trying to do some kind of come up, come up with a, uh, a an agreement, make a business deal with. And he's like, oh, great. Now we must settle things in the way my culture does. We must have sex. And he's this old, like, old ass wrinkly alien. You know <laughs> Yeah. 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 And he's like, it is the custom of my people. Uh, and she's like, well, I've got other shit to do. Uh, we'll catch up on this sometime else. So how, how is it so far? Are you getting more into it? Or? There, there, yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely well-written. The storyline, uh, the stories are good. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and then there's definitely like a lot of, uh, uh, of social stuff in there. It's like, uh, you know, you see, you know, this, the, the way the aliens interact and it's like, Oh, your people killed my people. Um, you know, and, uh, that those kinds of, of interactions. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, they used oh. a lot of inspiration from different stuff going on in the world. And, and yeah. And Jay Michael yeah. Straczynski took a lot of, um, his writing is from what he saw in his childhood during the uh, civil rights movements, things like that. And he, yeah. um, and he felt, he felt like in the future, his beliefs are the world's not going to change that. We're still going to be racially divided at times, politically divided. Um, and it's just like, that's how he believed he saw the future, you know? And yeah. uh, I've read some things where he talked about it and, and he said, it's not a knock on humanity or anything like that. Cause he wants humanity to do the best they can. It's just at the time he was writing Babylon five, that's how he saw the future, that things are just going to, repeat themselves and things wouldn't change even with all these alien races out there. And, uh, but, but he's writing is so good that he does it in a way that, um, it's, yeah. Any favorite characters, uh, so far, uh, that you've grown to like, I like, uh, I like Sheridan. Mm-hmm. I like Sheridan, man. Um, and, and I like Garbaldi. Mm-hmm. Um, of course those like are probably Garbaldi. my, yeah, yeah. You know the the alcoholic cop. Yeah. <laughs> I, told you, uh, I told him. I told him long though. By the time it's said and done, uh-huh. he will find Londo and Jakar will probably end up being his favorite characters. I do like as Londo because he's such like a skis. As despicable as they are, their conflict with each other ends up being so important to the storyline. Yeah. Uh, how yeah. about uh, Londo Jakar? Um, and you've, and at this point, Delenn is out of her cocoon, right? Yes. And she is like almost all the way looking human. She's getting scrutinized by other, uh, humans on the, on the ship for, and by her for, own for trying Gabari. to pass this human. Yeah. Yeah. And by her own people. Mm. Uh, but that, that will play a role later on. Uh, okay. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm still, I'm, I, I get a little salty when it comes to Babylon five, how, how good it looks and fucking paramount won't open up their pocketbook to at least do an AI, uh, upscaling for yeah. space. Nine. Warner brothers. Oh, no, it's paramount. paramount. Space Nine. Yeah. yeah. 
Warner Brothers is for um, Babylon Five. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's a. Uh... I think it costs them so much to do the um, cleanup on Next Generation. They were like, uh, this costs us too much money. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Well, the problem with the Next Generation cleanup is it looks great. Well, like, yeah. If you watch it, it looks really nice. But they did yeah. it at a time when Blu-ray sales were transitioning to streaming. So it was bad timing. So they didn't make any money because they weren't able to sell copies of it. And yeah. um, so, you know, yeah, but they- so that's kind of what happened. Well, the next generation well, thing. No, yeah, but I, what I was what I was saying is that the AI upscaling is nowhere as expensive right. as you know how you know Paramount did, which is a full grab each film and rescan everything, right, right. and then you know hire someone to uh, scale up the special effects. You know? Right. So, but I wonder yeah. how it depends on. Sometimes it depends on how it's shot too. Mm-hmm. You know, like Straczynski has talked about that, like how they shot the show. The special effects were done in 16 by 9, but the show wasn't. So that's why, you know, the remaster, they had to go in and, and fix parts of it, you know. So I don't mm-hmm. know. A lot depends on how it was shot, too. Um, but, yeah. You know. But Paramount's, you know, happy making new shows now, Star Trek. And I've been watching Strange New Worlds a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. and it's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, Lower Decks is hit and miss at times, but I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, other than that, it was just Ahsoka. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Ahsoka is, uh, episode five this past week, directed by Dave Filoni and, uh, at theatrical showings in some cities. Um, so this, this was a big one. And, uh, to get long caught to speed, I know long we've kind of texted back and forth. And so far you're, Really enjoying Rebel season five as well, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, but this this episode this week was um, episode four was great. It was one of the better Star Wars episodes ever. You know, the lightsaber fights, everything was spectacular. And just when you think the ante can't get up to any, we get episode five, and it's like, this, despite some minor CGI quips with it, with the de aging process and everything, overall, the episode tells such an awesome story. And gives us such awesome visuals that we never thought we would see in live action. It makes yeah. up for the it makes up for the CGI issues. Um, but what an episode! Yeah, it it, it was it was uh, mm-hmm. spiritually, emotionally satisfying. Yeah, visually, the Siege of Mandalore, man. Yeah. I mean, and just to see live action Clone Wars, uh, getting to see Rex on screen. I mean, how visually cool was the shot of Anakin walking through the uh, storm of, you know, bullets and laser fire and, and flashing from him back and forth to Darth Vader? Just reminding you of who this guy becomes, you know, or who he was. Freaking cool. Um, just brilliant, you know. It's uh, pretty wizard. Yeah. Uh, Hayden. Um, you know, people keep talking about, oh, he's redeemed himself. I never felt like that way with him. I, I always felt with the prequels, you know, he wasn't the best actor. He was given some pretty wooden dialogue to deal with, you know, and I think he did okay. And now he's given a chance to play this character again, and he's and he's owning it. He did really well in the Obi-Wan series, and I think his appearance this past week was fantastic as well. I mean, he's, yeah, um, his, his, his main, you know, you could tell he uh, watched Clone Wars. Cause he really had the mannerisms of the animated version 
down pat and just the voice work snips. the way he talks to it. Yeah, how and they cool call her snips. After watching, yeah, yeah. After watching Clone Wars, we get to hear him call him snips or her snips, and that that was awesome. You know, um, just a lot of callbacks uh, to the Clone Wars series, and uh, and I said last week that I love the fact that Dave Filoni is making this show for the absolute hardcore fans that spent their time watching Clone Wars and Rebels, and he doesn't care if he's alienating people that haven't watched all that stuff. He's just like, you know what, I'm doing this for the fans. Yeah, and if you want to know what's going on, you better yeah. t- go back and watch it. Yeah, and the and fans will advertise it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is, you know, there's us who are hardcore. We've watched almost everything they put out. But there's always been kind of a disconnect unintentionally between the animated stuff and the live action stuff. Because you'll talk to fans like, oh, I've seen all the movies. And then you tell them about something that happened in Clone Wars or Rebels. They're like, oh, I don't watch those cartoons. So I think it was nice to finally get a true connection between the cartoons and the live action, which Ahsoka already started with being that's a sequel to Rebels. But adding the Clone Wars into it, it was perfect. It, it helped with yeah. that disconnect, I think, quite a bit to tie things together rather nicely. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I mean, what? how did y'all feel about that whole um, sequence in the realm be- between worlds? Like, what did y'all take out of it? Like, as far as the symbolism, well, the meaning? I felt that, here's what I felt, is that Anakin at this point, that Anakin's living, service. right. I feel like Anakin is, he's living, you know, he's in the world between worlds because at this point he's dead. But he's, knows that he, Darth Vader is still in him. You could see it, but also Anakin's in him. So it was, to me, it was a play that he's still both people. And but he knows how to control it now because of of death and finding the the force, you know, being coming one with the force. Yeah. And I think it, his testing of Ahsoka was important to help her character grow, to know what she has to do to save Ezra. You know. Um, and I think that's what I got out of it was that this is a good, this is a new version of Anakin we've never seen before. Darth Vader's still there, but he knows how to control the dark and the light. He's still got those sweet-ass lightsaber moves, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's symbolism. Symbolism, uh, but... But but, uh, the way I see it is... And I've, you know, listened to some uh, opinions and stuff. uh, And I kind of gathered it, uh, my own thoughts on it. Like, I can see the reason why they went through the Clone Wars period and through you know uh you see the certain periods in her life and it's kind of like that old saying life her life was kind of flashing before her eyes before you know in death and she was definitely in limbo and uh as far as and throughout the whole first half of the show we were just trying to wonder okay why why is ahsoka not fully embrace Sabine as an apprentice or why is she so hesitant? And Ahsoka, of course, in that, before that whole dream sequence, y'all notice that she, she was wearing gray the whole time. Right. So, and there was a very important dialogue in that flashback scene, which, which gave a lot of revelation to why she was so kind of in that gray mode. And that's because, she, you know, she was raised as a soldier practically as a Padawan, you know, uh, and 
ever since the Clone Wars, that's all she knew is how she was a fighter throughout the mm-hmm. whole time. But she never really knew what it was like to be training under peacetime, you know, yeah. in an official capacity. And so, you know, and when when uh, when she told Anakin that um, when Anakin says that uh, to her that she was going to carry on uh, the legacy and his legacy, the legacy of the Jedi and his legacy with all of his teachings and everything that he knew, she turned to him and said, uh, yeah, uh, we are more than uh, who we are, but uh, you ended up becoming more powerful <laughs> and more dangerous. And she was kind of, you know, basically confessing that she was afraid of turning into, to, you know, like Anakin, ending up like Anakin did. That's why she didn't really fully embrace uh, teaching Sabine because <laughs> she right. was afraid of, you know, going it, going that far in a way. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. And of course, Anakin says live or die. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, you know, and she can be afraid and die, you know, and cause you know, it's like that part of the thing fear leads to anger. Right. Yeah. So, and she was or the tunnel only what you take with you. Yeah. If that's what you take with you, then that's what you'll turn into. Just like yeah. Luke's training with Yoda. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so such a multi-layered uh, meaning to it too. I mean, yeah. if you look past the, the fan service stuff, I mean, there's just, just so many um, <laughs> issues. And then she came out to be, uh, of course, Ahsoka the White, you know. Uh, but there's another fun theory, too, where, you know, Anakin has lived through the light side, and he's fully lived in the dark side. And there was a callback to an episode that Dave Filoni wrote on Mortis about, you know, the son, the daughter, and, and you know, the Chosen One. Uh, mm-hmm. Way back in the Clone Wars episode where the Chosen One told Anakin that, hey, you know, you'll you're prophesied to be my successor uh, who to be the father of the force, you know? Yeah. And y'all remember that episode? Yeah. No, that was the one where they were on. I read that. Yeah. Thing too. Yeah. With the gods, the ones yeah. with the gods. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and when Ahsoka died, you know, uh, the daughter resurrected her using her force energy. And that owl was such a big deal because that owl has been following Ahsoka, even in live action. You kind of see hints of the owl close by in, you know, Mandel season two. So there's a theory that Anakin at this point is probably taking on the role of the father, uh, mm-hmm. the chosen one, the one who is the balance of the force. And Ahsoka is pretty much getting, uh, getting her seat warm. <laughs> she doesn't right. know it as the new daughter of the force. So who's going to be the son? You know, some people say it might be Ezra, but who knows? Yeah. It could be some other new character. You may not know. Yeah, of. that's interesting. Uh, there are a lot of people that said that if the episode missed an opportunity to show the um, the uh, other parts of the Siege of Mandalore where um, you know Darth Maul appears at the end of the Clone Wars episodes. But yeah, you know, there were rumors believed it because apparently Sam Witwer has been on casting list for Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know he he does a lot of voice work for Lucasfilm. Like he's been voicing Darth Maul for years. You know he could be voicing Alien in the background. We just don't know it. And uh, 
So I had people believe me that Maul was going to appear, and they were like surprised he didn't appear in this episode. But you know, we still have three episodes to go. You know, there could still be a point where Maul makes an appearance. Um, you know, and that doesn't mean Stan Whitworth's playing him. You know, we just don't know. <laughs> you know, but I didn't think that it was a missed opportunity. In the episode, like I think the episode had just enough fan service and told a very important story. Enough mystery yeah. still. Yeah, <laughs> enough, and uh, enough questions. It, it was beautifully done, beautifully shot. Um, yeah, it felt cinematic. Uh, yeah, but I do wonder how they're going to wrap this up in three episodes. Um, yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of story left to tell. Yeah, yeah, and, I feel uh, like maybe uh, they won't wrap it up. Yeah, I think maybe that maybe we'll Anakin season. is in control of the realm between worlds. Right. Yeah, if he has taken yeah. up that god role, that force god yeah. role. So. And as far as the but CGI anyway. goes, I mean, it's it's television. I thought it looked pretty yeah. good. I think my biggest issue was with it that like they CGI'd Hayden's head. Actually, I thought his face looked good, but his head was small. Did you notice his body looked big? Mm -hmm. I was just like, it was a little distracting in the Clone Wars scenes. I'm like, why did they make his head so tiny? (laughs) Um, That's really the only thing I noticed about. I thought the face looked good. I thought the CGI was good, but um, Mm -hmm. he did kind of have a tiny head. It's like, I don't know why they did that. (laughs) broad shoulders and a tiny head. I'm like, why is his head so small? <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way the CGI worked out. But it was fine. You know, Maybe so. I mean, it's television. I mean, you know, I know Lucasfilm is spending plenty of money to make these shows top-notch and cinematic, but you know, not everything's going to be absolutely perfect when you're dealing with television. People need People are spoiled. They need to get over it. But overall, I thought it was fine. It was cool to see a young Ahsoka in live action. That was really neat. That was a that was definitely a surprise I didn't expect to see. Mm-hmm. Get to see her yeah. when she was young and learning and surprised and yeah. and just uh, her Same thoughts on the clones dying. Gamora yeah, in Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was cool. See uh, an actor uh, get another uh, key part. Yeah, and she's in the biggest movie of the year, Barbie. So she's doing pretty well for herself. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so we'll see where this goes when Ahsoka continues on a Tuesday night with episode six. I'm sad, Panda. There's only three episodes left. But Man, it's coming to an end. Yeah, let's do a little bit of news before we get today's feature film. We finally got a trailer for Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom, and um, man, Matt, you were uh, you texted saying. Man, I don't know. It doesn't look as bad as rumor said it was. I thought the exact opposite. I thought, like, why is he hanging up his clothes? What does he need to wash his uniform for? I thought it looked it looked okay, but it, I could see. They said there's a lot of comedy and stupid stuff in it. That's what the test screening said. And it looked like it from the trailer. It looked kind of like just some, like, there might be some stupid shit in this movie. Yeah. You know? um, hey, I had fun in the last movie. I, I did, too. So, but But I'm also kind of like. It's awkward. I can't help man. but feel a little disconnected from the DCU now, knowing there's a reboot. Like I enjoyed the Flash, and it was all about seeing Michael Keaton back as Batman for me. But I just—it's hard to care with the reboot coming, you know? Yeah. And uh, so <laughs> yeah. we'll see. Well, that reminds me. Before I mention it, so uh, my brother finally watched uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, right? Mm-hmm. You know what he scored that movie out of a one out of ten? Huh. He scored it really. He's no, he scored oh. a four out of ten. No, four. 
four out of ten. And it's Put your brother up for I, adoption. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'm like, what? Man. I, it's like, I, mean, I told him, this is the second time I've watched it, but it actually brought a tear to my eye. Even maybe it's, worse a, it's a lot to take in. Maybe he just, what, yeah. maybe his emotional state at that time wasn't there to take in all the meaning of it. And he didn't yeah. realize what he was watching. Yeah. But, uh, he scored it low because of what you said, sensory overload. Yeah. 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 It's a, it is a lot to take in. I think it's a movie I've enjoyed more. I think I've seen it three, maybe four times now. And it's definitely better with each viewing. Yeah. Cause it is a lot. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, put your brother up for adoption. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I thought like, and my roommate he he rated it at seven out of ten, you know, and I rated it at nine out of ten, you know, and the only reason why I deducted one point is yeah, the sensory overload. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that wasn't to the point where you know I uh, it would detracted the message for me personally. So, but anyways, moving on. So. um it's interesting, you know, the news lately has been a little slow with the strikes and everything, but there is some interesting, a lot of comic book news coming out. And an interesting move, Bill Willingham, the creator of Fables and the Wolf Among Us, um, you know, is wanting his royalties from his comics from DC and some other issues. And DC's kind of saying no, but he's like, I can't afford to sue DC. So you know what? I'm going to drop my creator stuff onto the public domain. Um, which is exactly what he did this week. Basically a big F wow. DC. Um, you know what? You're not going to pay me what you might want for my characters. I created this stuff. I'm giving it out to the world. Um, this is, this is people. This is bigger than people think it is. Um, in an industry, which people are fighting to make money as comics go digital more and people are not spending as much money on frivolous things like comic books. Um, this, you can see more creators do this. You know what? I'm going to give it out to the people, get it out there, you know? Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And I've read some of the fables books and they're really good. You know, he, he's a really good writer, really interesting stories. And, and um, so uh, kind of a big industry thing in the comic book industry. We'll see where this goes with creator own products. And uh, yeah, and, and we, there's always been an issue with DC and Marvel and those companies, not always taking care of the uh, privately owned creators that they hire, you know, and uh, it's not the first time it's happened. You know, Neil, Neil Gaiman fought with DC for years on Sandman rights and things like that. So, so we've seen it happen before. Um, if you want to see a colored version of Werewolf by Night, the Halloween special from Marvel last year, you're going to get to do that. It'll be out, uh, I think it's like the week before Halloween. It'll be out on Disney+. Plus. Okay. But I thought black and white was what made it cool, you know? I yeah, mean, it makes it, you know, noir. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, might watch the colored version. But that was... I kind of really enjoyed that and enjoyed the Guardians holiday special. I wouldn't mind seeing Marvel and Disney do some more of those. You know, those little I really like the Guardians holiday special. Yeah. That was funny. Do those little it's Kevin Bacon mini movies. They're, they're kind of fun. Did yeah. you watch that long when it came out last year? Uh, no, I didn't get to see it. Werewolf by Night. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So the, um, the Lando Calrissian Disney plus TV series is now apparently a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, as Glover said that they are writing it right now and uh, it's turning into a film. <laughs> you know, we love star Wars. We just got through talking about Ahsoka, but how do you, do we really want to see a Lando movie where he gets Bestman? Yes. And how do you do it without Han though? 
Because there's no indication that him and Han didn't see each other until Empire Strikes Back. Hey, man. We just assumed they hadn't seen each other in a long time. Don't count out Childish Gambino, man. (laughs) Don't shut. Yeah. He'll he'll get it. Like, why not just make Solo 2 and have Lando in it? You know? Maybe this is buddy. Make it a buddy cop movie. You know? Yeah. I I think it would work pretty well that way. Like Lethal Weapon style. Yeah. I'm getting too old for this shit. I mean, it's Star Wars, so you know, I'll watch it. I don't think no word works. is when it's gonna. No word is when it's gonna come out or anything. They're just writing it. These strikes are going on. You know, D twenty three quietly went by this weekend with no announcements because of the strikes. It was very <laughs> yeah. weird. And people, a lot of people were surprised they even had D twenty three. It's like, why have it when you can't even announce anything? So, but uh, it is what it is. Um. Lastly, I saved this one for the last bit of news because Long is on the show today. This this trailer came out the day after we recorded last week um, and almost forgot about it. And that's the trailer for the Apple Plus TV series for Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Um, Good Kurt Russell and his, Burton's in it. Yeah, Kurt Russell and his son playing the same character 50 years apart. Um, nice. I think my biggest thing with this is watching the trailer is that – Apple spending money. It looks good. It looks cinematic. It looks good. The, the CGI looks awesome. It looks like it's going to have a bunch of monsters in it. And uh, now will the story be great around it? We'll see. But at least it looks like Apple and Warner Brothers, which is strange that Warner Brothers currently has the rights of Godzilla that's not on HBO Max. I'm not sure how that happened, but okay. You know, it did. But if you believe the rumors that Apple's going to buy Warner Brothers in the next year, then maybe that's why. You <laughs> know? Um, yeah. So uh, interesting, though, that's going to be on Apple Plus. And uh, what did you think, Long, in the trailer? It looked good. It had a lot of potential. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to see how Monarch as an organization works, you know? Yeah. And it's right around the corner. It comes out in November, I believe, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like November 17th. So we, we mentioned on the show last week that uh, between that, Godzilla minus one and Godzilla versus Kong next April long. You are going to be Godzilla overloaded for six months, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I'm eating good. Yeah. I mean, be eating I'm good. Eating you know, be, Dick's going to be plenty hard. He'll be like, let's go Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, can I give you a hard time? Wait, that sounded very wrong. Saying that to give you a hard time. Anyway, let's move on to the feature film. <laughs> yes. Um, we go from one very mega popular franchise talking Star Wars and Godzilla, both mega popular franchises, to a another franchise that's been very popular. And, uh, you know, we, this movie had had on the radar throughout the year because it's 10 years old, which is hard to believe, and finally found a spot to drop it in. And that is a Star Trek Into Darkness, um, the sequel to the uh, 2011 J.J. Abrams reboot, um, mega hit Star Trek reboot. And, uh, so we get the sequel a couple years later, and um, basically it's kind of a retelling in some ways of the classic Wrath of Khan, and, uh, but not, which is weird. It's yeah. got similarities. A of, yeah, like a character. mirror image kind of stuff on yeah. some of this stuff. And uh, But I think in a lot of ways that's why the movie works, because it's – not it, like Benedict Cumberbatch definitely has his own version of Khan. Um, I think his story is a little bit, I, in some ways, I think his story is a little stronger than Ricardo Montalban's Khan um, because they give him a little bit more to, to work with. I think 
you know, but that's just a product of the time too. 1982 compared to movies Probably nowadays. Probably the most, uh, yeah, whitewashed role I've ever heard of. That's for sure. What? Like Khan, Khan oh. Union Singh. He's supposed to be a right. Sikh, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Sikhs. Were, He's supposed uh, to be a dictator. Yeah, uh, a Sikh, uh, which is you know uh, an ethnicity in India, right? Right. <laughs> that yeah. wears the t- famous for their turbans and stuff, you know, and mm. and then he's casted by a Latino, which is fine, and then yeah. now it's cast as a British guy, which is <laughs> even so much further from uh, Khan Noonien Singh's namesake and ethnicity. <laughs> and then well, I remember too when this movie came out in 2013 how they tried so hard to hide who Benedict was playing through the trailers yeah. and through interviews oh, boy, and everything. That was cringe. But it was the worst kept secret ever. Everyone knew he was playing Khan. Uh, kept, you know, kept having him named Harrison. Yeah. Um, marking it as Harrison. And, and, you know, J.J. Abrams had went as far as hiding the scripts, keeping pages out of the scripts, everything he could to keep it a secret. They even played a prank on him on set. Um I can't remember who it was that claimed he lost the script and, and JJ Abrams was kind of freaking out and everything. And he's like, what do you mean you lost the script? He goes, I lost an airport. It's on the internet. And it turned out it was just a joke and and they were just <laughs> messing with JJ Abrams. And then the funny thing is that Steven Spielberg went along with the joke. <laughs> he was in on it, messing with him. You know, that's funny. Um, like yeah. an episode of punked. Yeah. But, uh, you know, basically we didn't even summarize this movie. Um, you know, Matt, you want, or y'all want, one of y'all want to take a I'll shot? Summarize since it? it's been a while. Um, basically, uh, the Kirk and crew are assigned to uh, hunt down uh, John Harrison in the Klingon Empire, and uh, many twists and turns come about from it. And John Harrison ends up being con. And, uh, basically he come to find out that star, the uh, head of Starfleet has held, uh, John Harrison hostage because, uh, Harrison thought that his crew was dead and, uh, and he was forced to design a new type of starship for Starfleet because of his, uh, genetically superior intellect and physicality. Uh, but basically it's uh, Enterprise and crew trying to survive the schemes of uh, Khan and uh, trying to get out of a jam, basically. Uh, mm. Bring him to justice. Yeah. And uh, turns out Peter Weller, Weller plays the admiral that is trying to hide his secrets at of Khan's people and capturing yeah. them and all that. And, uh, and every time I watch this, it just makes me want, I wish Peter Weller would get more movie roles. Cause he's and and I know it's not just cause he's Buckaroo Banzai and all that, but he's just, man, the guy's got a presence. Like, you know, Peter he Weller does, was, man. Peter Weller's one of those actors. Like you feel like, why was his career not bigger? I mean, not that he didn't have a good career. You know, he did RoboCop and screamers and had a few science fiction hits. But it just feels Why didn't like he play more guys. military guys, you know? Yeah, it just feels like one of those guys yeah. that could have had a bigger, even bigger career than he did because he's he's got a presence to him, he's got an authority. Um and, and he's and he's he explodes on screen, you know, he's really good. Um probably does and, a lot of like theater and he movie. probably prefers doing theater than doing movies. Possibly so. Honestly. Yeah. Because maybe uh, so. Because uh like I 
like in the movie setting, it was like, who wants to sit around all day and just act for a few right. minutes and then sit around all day, you know, uh, well, yeah. in the theater, an uh, actor gets more response from an audience it, and they mm. do it the same play, you know, multiple times a day. And that's how they get so good. You know, that's, I think that's right. why Peter Weller's so good. He got, he got his reps <laughs> from doing a lot of theater work uh, in between mm. his movie gigs. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also makes me just miss the fact that we didn't get Blomkopf's Robocop Returns with him in it. That would have been so awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, man, you know, this movie, if I had, I really enjoyed this movie. Like, I like both of Abrams' Trek movies. And I've said, I've gone on record before saying that. And maybe this little blasphemy, as big of a Star Wars fan I am, and I love Force Awakens, that his first Star Trek movie is actually a better movie than Force Awakens. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's really solid. Now, Into yeah. the Darkness isn't Into the Darkness isn't as good, but really Into the Darkness I think is it's really good. What bothers me is the last thirty minutes. It becomes pretty much a straightforward action film at the end as they flee towards Earth as, as Harris is trying to get back, and then you know you have this reverse. You know you take the ending of Wrath of Khan and you reverse it, where Kirk sacrifices himself to save the ship instead of Spock. And it's almost borderline cheesy that they went that route. It's like, okay, you're doing the same thing that's already been done, but yet conveniently there's a way to save Kirk. And um, I think that's probably my biggest beef with this film, even rewatching it this week. I'm like, man, these last 30 minutes, it's almost like they wrote themselves into a hole. How do we end this film? You know? Um, and, 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 it, and I, I think, I think what kind of took away from that, that Kirk's sacrifice is the whole uh, Spock screaming con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it comes across a little cheesy because we saw yeah. William Shatner do that in Wrath of Khan. Yeah, um, yeah, no, you're right. It's and just like okay, this is a little. Yeah, bad. if they had not done that, that would have been. I think the the emotional landing would have stuck a lot better. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, well, be, I think the the blood as the antidote was set up in the beginning purposefully so yeah. that yeah. they could, right. yeah. And here's the thing to go back to what Long was saying. So in, in Wrath of Khan, William Shatter's Kirk, Captain Kirk, he's human. He shows his emotion that he's upset that Spock dies, his friend. But this Spock, we've only seen him for three hours at this point in two and a half films. And to me, he's not at that emotional state yet that he would holler Khan. It comes, so it's a little kind of like almost out of character. You know? Yeah. Because um, yeah. they're not quite to that friendship level yet, even though. Spock had told him previously, Hey, this guy's going to be your friend, you know, and, and uh, you got to remember that. Um, so I thought that was, so yeah, it's a little kind of dorky. Um, but, but it's cool. And I like the hand to hand combat between Khan and Spock on the moving, uh, you know, ship thing or whatever it is. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. So yeah. And really, really only Spock, Spock is the only one who can take him down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, if it's Vulcan martial that, arts. Well, no, I mean, Vulcans are physiology, uh, they are three times stronger than the human on average. Okay. Because of, uh, Vulcan has a higher gravity, uh, threshold. And yeah, that's because that's how, uh, like Vulcans are very strong. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, so, uh, and I think guessing Khan is about twice the strength of an average human. Yeah. Uh, basically Olympian level type physiology uh, physical he did power. squeeze Robocop's head like a friggin chew toy <laughs> Dude, <I know. laughs> yeah 
Yeah, that was. Uh, and then he did that weird face when he made it. He's like, switching his face together. Dude, and I'm like, like, what are you doing? Cumberbatch's face looks weird when he talks, right? Yeah. There's this funny gif uh, of like someone like holding up a turkey leg in front of his face while he was talking. <laughs> <laughs> like, he looked like he was chewing, right? He looks like he's talking yeah. and chewing. So it's like there's a gif out there that's really funny. Like uh, someone holding up a turkey leg in front of his face while he was talking, monologuing. That is funny. Yeah. He, he was good in the movie. The, the other issues with this one compared to part one, I think, is um, there's a majorly repeated sequence, I think, in the first one. You had the dive down to the platform um, to destroy the platform that's just trying to destroy Vulcan. And yeah. in this one, you have a dive across space where Khan and, and Kirk are trying to break into the Admiral's ship. And it, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's a badass sequence, but I'm like, it feels almost like the same thing. We're not, instead of diving on a platform, we're diving across space into a ship. Yeah. Um, so I felt a little, a little bit like, okay. Um, there's some massive set pieces in this movie, especially, you know, at the beginning with the ship coming out of the water and, and, you know, it feels like they went a little bit more for um, spectacle in this one. Where the first one has a lot of spectacle, but also has a lot of really good story in it too. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's like definitely George got a lot Lucas of lens said. flare too. Yeah. It's like George Maybe. Lucas says, and uh, while doing the uh, prequels, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, I like I like In the Darkness. It's a fun Star Trek movie. I, I really I like the Kelvin crew in general. I was. Always hoping we'd get more with them, and you know, I hate the design of uh, the Enterprise. Honestly, you could tell it was made by the same guy who designed uh, Wally uh, and the iPhone. I like why it, it looks so bulbous and looks so <laughs> curvy. I'm like, mm. guess I didn't really notice that. Yeah, I just, yeah, my I think my current favorite. Uh, Enterprise design is the Strange New Worlds, Captain Pike's Enterprise. has a nice blend of old and the yeah. movie series, the classic movie mm-hmm. series. Even, even a little Next Generation there, like the uh, meeting room is almost right out of Next Generation ship. Yeah. You know, it, you're right. It is a good combo of several Enterprises. Um, yeah, and the, I think another thing with In the Darkness is like uh, I felt the first film – did a good job with the ensemble cast introducing all these new versions of these characters and, and into darkness and developing their character. Yeah. Into darkness tries really hard to be a spot Kirk movie. Um, but everyone else is kind of thrown to the side for most of the film. You know, you her is Cardi in there. Um, you know, uh, uh, their names are escape. Sulu's hardly in there. So it, it mm-hmm. just feels like it's not as ensemble as the first one was. Um, but Admiral Marcus's daughter, you know, is in there in her lingerie. So there's, there's, oh, that. And that took a lot of hit. You know, people, there are two things in this movie that these old school 80 year old Star Trek fans hated. It was the crushing of Admiral's head because they said Roddenberry wouldn't have that kind of violence in his movies. And it was showing her Alice Creek in her, in her underwear. It's like, all right, Trekkies, let's move into the modern times. Girls do wear underwear, well, you know? And they were they were also ticked that you know she was like a peacekeeper, she was like peace she was more peace minded like a like a uh, uh, an explorer you know in in the Roddenberry films and then now she's like a weapons analyst or 
right. a weapon she scientist. Was a, she was a scientist in Wrath of Khan. Uh, right. Yeah, but wasn't, wasn't she like against? Project. Yeah. For the Genesis. It was more uh, project that that re that reanimated uh, spot, right? Right. Yeah. And there's even yeah. a nurse. There's even a nurse chapel name drop in this movie. Of course, nurse nurse chapel is in Strange New Worlds, and I believe was a character in the original series too. Yeah, if I remember right. And so yeah, there's some callbacks, and you know the, that when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's just like when JJ Tolkien fans complain about modern Lord of the Rings stuff, and I'm just like, you know, it's okay to update things. I mean, you know, Alex Creed came back and they said wasn't even JJ Abrams said yeah maybe it wasn't necessary to show her in her underwear, but. It happened. It is what it is. You know, it's okay to move things into modern times. I mean, you know, you watch Picard and they've got Patrick Stewart dropping the F-bomb, you know. Uh, um, I don't know if I've noticed any language in Stranger Worlds. Well, dropping Maybe the little- F-bomb and gratuitous uh, underwear shots are two different things. It's on equal ground here, but <laughs> and it's not a modern thing to do a Panty shot, you know, a brawn panty yeah. shot for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> uh, it's kind of regressive, honestly. Right. But even then, at that time, so yeah, it's in the no, unnecessary valid. Yeah. So. yeah, but silly to complain. One, about yeah, one critique that I, I've I've heard uh, from from hardcore Roddenberry fans is that like the Calvin crew, instead of you know having these drawn out conversations and, and scenes like, uh, like in, in wrath of, in wrath of Khan where, uh, you know, Shatner's, uh, Kirk had to outsmart, uh, Khan. And here it's like, you know, they're just running around, uh, with their arms flailing around and, uh, he's, you know, he, he's not taking the route where he's trying to outsmart him and develop his character, um, where he, uh, you know, he has that about him where he this could have been know, the tries to outsmart Tom his enemy. Cruise vehicle, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> perfect <laughs> Tom Cruise running. vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Pike reminds me of Cruise a little bit. You know, there we go. Maybe that's his uh, his Cruise-esque kind of thing. But, you know, really, uh, well, you know, maybe. the running part I was referring to. Yeah, the running part uh, uh, where yeah. he's trying to run from his thoughts in his movies. Uh, no, Tom running Cruise. around the starship. Yeah. Cruz gets paid for running in his movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, a lot. A lot. Especially in uh in Rogue Nation. Uh was that Rogue Nation with the with he the runs in all of his movies. He runs in he every one of them. Yeah. This this is true. He yeah. ran in through the airport in Dead Reckoning. So, you know. He ran in the court drama. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was funny. Well, and Tom is he even Tom himself is in on the joke. He's made comments about it in interviews. He he goes, "Yeah, I'm sure I'm going to run across some things." I mean, even he he's in on it. He knows that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's a good. Yeah, I'm going to run. He's a good sport about it. Um, but um, this well, yeah, y'all made me lose track. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, <laughs> overall, a good Trek film. You know, yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Good callbacks, some good um, parallels with the classic films, and uh, it is well performed. I think Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, they all do a really good job in their roles. Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, I think Simon Pegg. Out of all the supporting cast, Simon gets the most to do, and he's he's always great as Scotty. You know? Yeah, I love the scene where after he, um, you know, he, he 
chooses to step aside because he doesn't want those weapons on his ship. And he's sitting there in the bar and he's drunk, he's talking to his alien friend and basically talking to himself. I think Simon does so well with that role, that scene. It's just really hilarious and really well done. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. He's like, I'll take that as an apology. It's, it's, a, it's <laughs> yeah. a really good, uh, Kirk movie as far as him. Go, you know, just going through the, uh, <laughs> Uh, as far as character growth, so yeah, yeah, and um, and you know, I like Star Trek Beyond for the reason of him being peak Kirk. You know, he's not learning; he's in command, and yeah. he's put in a difficult position to try to get his crew uh, to survive. And yeah. uh, that's I why like, a lot of people didn't like Star Trek Beyond because it felt like it it, re- it repeated a lot of stuff. I mean, freaking Enterprise gets fucked up again. But right, <laughs> yeah, it's like every modern Kelvin Trek movie, the Enterprise has to get fucked over, you know. Yeah, I need uh, to re- go back. That's okay. It's an ugly beyond. ship, so I don't mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's an ugly version of that ship, so it's all good. Um, but yeah, that's why, I like, oh, some pretty good callbacks too, and the next movie too. So. Mm. Yeah, I need to go back and rewatch Beyond. But I remember I enjoyed it too. And they, I like oh, Beyond whenever they have to play music. And so they play Beastie Boys Sabotage. And then they're like, classical music. <laughs> and I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it does have, I do hold out hope that um, maybe we'll get one more Kelvin Crew movie. I know some of it with the loss of Anton has made them a little, I think, timid about doing another one as well. But it'd be nice to see one more just to give them a, maybe a proper send off conclusion with that crew. Yeah. And then I know Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and Zoe Saladon, they're all, they're all willing to come back. Um, I know some of it's been made about Chris Pine thinks he's a huge star now and wants more money. And maybe that's true, yeah. but you know, we'll see. So, uh, you know, what do you, which spark do you like better? Uh, Quinto or Ethan Peck? I, I like yeah. Ethan Peck. He has that commanding voice. That uh, Yeah. He is very good in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm only about, I have about two episodes left in the first season. So I've only watched about eight eight episodes with him in it. Yeah. Um, But, but I do like him in the role. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I didn't realize it was Gregory Peck's grandson. Really? Yeah. It's Gregory Peck's grandson. Interesting. Um, So he comes from a family. That explains the voice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I do like him. I, um, no, I like him even more because Gregory Peck is one of my favorite, uh, old, Classic uh, Hollywood stars. Actually, I haven't uh, seen Peck, but I like I like Quinto whenever he's doing that uh, smart ass Vulcan logic, you know. Yeah. And whenever he, uh, you know, he's oh, then you, you watch know. if you like that, watch Strange New Worlds. They do that with his version of Spot quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the, you know the the trickiest thing about a good uh, Vulcan actor. <laughs> almost a pun a, a, a good uh, Vulcan character like T'Pol is definitely one of the best up there mm-hmm. it's like skirt it's like people misinterpret Vulcans as lacking have having no emotion but no mm-hmm. that's not true they have a ton of emotion worse than humans but they're always constantly put trying to keep it under wraps you know mm-hmm. that's so hard to do um, trying to uh look like that they're always um, keeping their emotions in, in check. 
and T'Pol does it pretty good from uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, Spock did it. You know, he's the master of it. You know, he walks mm-hmm. that line of uh, having emotion but not trying to show it. Right. Uh, and Ethan Peck and Zachary Quinto did a pretty good job of playing. You know, that that Vulcan struggle of keeping their emotions in check. Yeah, oh. yeah. I like. There's different things I like about both the actors, but yeah, Peck. Uh, Peck's growing on me. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't. I the first couple episodes I wasn't sure about him, and then there's that episode where he is uh, with his fiance, and they switch bodies or switch yeah. their minds, and uh, and that's when he really started to grow on me in the role. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, man, this guy's pretty good. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying. I, I um I've been enjoying Stranger Worlds, and I need to get back and finish that first season so I can. Uh, Move on to the second season. And, uh, so, yeah. But Star Trek Into Darkness, if you need to get caught up, they're all available on, I think they're on Paramount Plus and HBO Max. For some reason, they're streaming on both services and Netflix. I think they're on Netflix, too. You know, must not cost the companies very much for Star Trek, right, since they're all streaming everywhere. Um, well, before we move on, next week's episode and um, I said this last week. I actually did not even realize I did this and when I was plotting down the movies and that it, it turned out to be back-to-back J.J. Abrams films. And I didn't even do that on purpose. I, I just was writing films down, and I was like, oh, let's do this film. Let's do this film. I, re- I mean, I really kind of just randomly picked these movies to get us Halloween horrors. And uh, so next week we're going to talk J.J. Uh, Abrams' coming-of-age film, his, his tribute to Steven Spielberg and Amblin Entertainment and that is Super 8. I've got nothing against your friends. I like your friends. Now things have obviously changed for us. I have to help Charles finish his movie. Be good for you to spend some time with kids who don't run around with cameras and monster makeup. Uh, could you close your eyes, please? Yeah. Guys, watch out! An eastbound freighter derailed what the cargo was on that freighter. We don't know. We can't tell anyone. I know. I understand you have concerns about our cargo. Colonel, there isn't anything else that I should know, is there? I can assure you the answer is no. We've gotten calls from people who found local dogs, but the calls coming in aren't local. Lucy! It's like they all just ran away. I've got property damage. I've got theft. I've got nine people missing now. Clearly, that thing's happening around here that I can't explain. I don't feel good about this. Go! I saw it. No one believes me. I believe you.
I've already started rewatching this movie. I got about 45 minutes left because I wanted to get ahead because I have a busy weekend. And, uh, and you know, it, it's, it's JJ Abrams only film he's done. That's original property. That's not a franchise or something. And, and watching it this week just makes me want him to do more of those. And that's going to be my preview of it. I really like what he did with super eight and I really enjoy it. And I think JJ Abrams is a very creative mind and I'm hoping we get to see more creative things come from him besides doing franchises that already exist. Um, so hopefully he has something else in it. Or ruining franchises as he goes. <laughs> as some eh. people would like to. Uh... <laughs> some people. But I'm not going to blame him for that. And uh, but, yeah. but uh, So Super 8. It's, Super 8 is available on Paramount+. Plus. Um, if you want to watch along with us next week. And it, it's, a, it's a really enjoyable, fun movie. Um, so it should be fun to talk about next week. But uh, until then, Long, thanks for coming and hanging out, man. Thanks you know, for the invite. You're you're always welcome, man. You can always text. Always me. welcome, man. Yo, guys, what movie are you yeah. doing this week? Debbie does Dallas. All right, I'm down. I'll be there. You know. Yeah. Always long. You are Debbie does of, Dallas. You're one of us, man. You gotta. You don't need to keep that Asian sensibility and wait for an invite. You can come anytime you want. So don't worry. Doors open. That's right. You're not overstepping your bounds. No worries, my man. So, but uh, and Long's just like yeah. whatever. March, stop fucking talking. I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. See, he just continues to give me the look. He's just like he's people that are listening. You're getting the look, dude. Long is giving me this uh, look. No, I'm I'm surfing Twitter on a different tab. But yeah. oh, it's burner <laughs> account Twitter. We know what that is. Yeah, uh, I need a burner account. All of my. I'll, all of my stuff is there. To you know what I'm following on my stuff. I don't. Oh, I don't uh, have a burner. I, I, I have a burner. <laughs> my account, Steam but... account has so many porn games on there. It's kind of <laughs> funny, along with all the mainstream <laughs> games. So, <laughs> like whatever. I'm not going to create a new account for this. <laughs> <laughs> but now, for real, though, thanks for coming and hanging out with us, man. And uh, for all you out there listening, the Rebel Radio Podcast.com. For all your Rebel Radio needs, follow us on our social medias and all that good stuff. And um, until next time, this has been Mark. This has been Matt. This is Long. Remember, as always, just go there and do it. Just go there.